Hey everyone, welcome back to Lead with Worship. This is a worship podcast from the team here at Saddleback Church. My name is John Cassetto and I am the worship pastor here at Saddleback. And here on the Lead with Worship podcast, you're going to hear from artists and creatives and even some guests as we talk about and uncover the heart and the purpose of worship. You know, throughout our time together, our prayer is that you would be encouraged, inspired, and even challenged in your own creative journey and your own worship leadership. You know, here at Saddleback, we hold our volunteers in such high regard. We believe that every member of our church is actually called to be a minister, every member a minister. And so whether you serve as a vocalist, a greeter, a painter, or you're on the parking team, you have a significant impact in the kingdom of God. So today you're going to hear from a couple of our teammates, Laura Lapeer, who is our guest services minister, and Taylor Williams, uh, who's on our campus support team, as they unpack our heart for volunteers. Both of these teammates, Laura and Taylor, do an amazing job of mobilizing, equipping, encouraging, coaching um, some of our great teammates, our volunteers that serve across so many different areas of our church. So you're in for a really special episode today. So let's go. Let's dive into today's conversation with Taylor and Laura. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to Lead with Worship. My name's Taylor, and I'm one of the worship leaders here at Saddleback Church. And today, I'm with my friend, Laura Lapierre. Laura, it's good to be with you today. Thanks for being on. Yes, great to be here with you, Taylor. Thanks so much for having me, and super excited to have a conversation. Yes, I love it. I love it. Laura, for those of you who don't know, Laura is our guest services minister at the Lake Forest campus. And so something that's kind of unique to our broadcast campus is that Everything from what we would call street to seat is part of the worship team at Saddleback Church. So everything um, like uh, like parking team and greeters and ushers and hospitality, all of that is part of our worship team here at Lake Forest. And Laura has the opportunity and is entrusted with pastoring those people and pouring into them and shepherding them. And so really excited to have her have her here with us today. And Laura, I know that we're going to talk about the value of volunteers and what that means for our church and what that means in the kingdom of God. But I really wanted to start and just and just take us back to maybe the first time you ever volunteered in the local church. And what was that like for you? Yeah. Oh, man, I can take you way back. I remember when I was a kid, like elementary school age, my parents were part of a church plant. And I remember helping set up chairs in the gym and put them away every yes. week. It was just a way that we could serve together as a family at a church plant. And so I remember <laughs> my very first, I mean, we're talking like elementary school age. I remember setting up chairs and putting them away for in a gym, at a church, um, meeting at a high school. So that was my first interaction. It was so sweet to have that be something we did as a family as yeah. well. Yeah. Wow. Mobile church with your family. That's mm-hmm. no joke. There's a lot there that, was, that needs yeah. to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I did much other than help with chairs, but I re- I'd like that's a memory for me of growing up in a family that had a value of serving in the yeah. church. So that's something that for me, at least I can say from earliest memories, this is a value that I grew up in and cared about. Yeah. So did your family like always serve, serve in that capacity or did that morph and change for you as you grew up and served in church? 
It yeah, it changed. Um, I, I, obviously, we weren't always a part of the same church. We changed churches a couple sure, times. Sure. So uh, that church plant, man, I don't even remember because it was so long ago. I we did that for a while, but I remember also seeing like my dad always led Sunday school classes, and my mom always served in different ways at the church. When I was in high school, I remember being in the student leadership. I helped lead a Bible study at my public high school. I helped lead the kind of Christian club, I guess, at my Christian high school. And so yeah. there's always been places my whole life, I can't think of a time I wasn't involved in serving. Um, and then for me, I would say when I think about when I served the most and really started understanding the value of it, uh, probably when I was in college, I went to um, State University, was really mm. involved with the campus ministry. And out of that is really where my call to ministry came from. Wow. And then from there started my first job at the local church right after I graduated from college. So I think I had so much, when I look back, I see such a life of serving in the local church for you know 10 or 15 years yeah, up yeah. until graduating from college and finally realizing, oh, wait, <laughs> this is what I've been doing my whole life is finding ways to serve and contribute, oh, this is what God has made me for. So I'm going to pursue full-time ministry now. But it came from a place of over a decade of serving Mm. in different ways. Man, I love like the legacy of that, of how the seeds of that were even planted by your family at like your, the the earliest age, you know? And so that's so cool to to hear about how that's developed throughout your life and um, your call to ministry. And that's amazing, Laura. That's so awesome. So, I'd love to know too, like what excites you? What excites you about your current role and what you're doing now at Saddleback and what you get to be a part of? You know, it's so fun. I I started this role specifically um, with our guest services team about six months ago. Prior to that, I was part of our connections team, helping out with small groups, baptism, membership class, things like that. And so it's been so fun for me to see things from this side Mm. of what it is to be a part of the weekend and to really think through, especially just thinking through the season we're in as a church. We're trying to rebuild back from this crazy global pandemic and yeah, every yeah. church, every church leader I've talked to, we're all asking the question of how do we rebuild, rebuild, not to go back to what it was before, but to say, God, you're doing something new. What's the new thing yeah. that you're doing? And so to just be a part of the front lines of saying, what does it look like to create an environment that welcomes people back? Um, this is this is a new season. I think we're gonna see books written <laughs> coming yeah, out of this yes. season for decades to come. Of what did we learn and how did we adapt and what's the new thing that God is doing, both from the stage that your team is more involved in, but then from our perspective that we can just say, how do we create an environment that helps people feel welcome? That when they walk on our campus, when they drive on our campus, they have the sense of okay, I can let my guard down. Hmm. I can get to the worship center and I'm ready to receive what the Lord has for me here because I had such a great experience from finding a parking spot to being greeted with joy in people's faces as I walked up. Worship can start with being greeted with a smile and you realize, oh, I should be excited to be here. The people who are here are excited to be here because God is here. So, 
okay, this is a safe place. I can let my guard down. I'm ready to receive what God has for me in that service. We give you a cup of coffee. We hand you a bulletin. It's simple things, but to think about how all those little touches before they even sit down, before they hear the first song, before they hear the first part of the sermon, their defenses can be up or their defenses can be down. And and our team gets to help say, how can we help you lower your defenses to receive what God has for you once you get your get your seat. Gosh, that's so good, Laura. Like worship can just begin with with a smile. And I love that you went there because I was actually going to take us there a little bit later. But I, just because you went there, how do you how do you give that vision to your team and to your volunteers? Because I've watched you do this not just for your volunteers, but for our entire worship staff and cast vision and lift people's eyes to um, beyond the task that's in front of them or the, the, yeah, the simple task that's in front of them into like what the Lord is actually doing. What does that look like for you to lift people's eyes to those, to that vision? I think it starts with your own eyes have to be there first. Um, and I don't say that because I think I do it perfectly. Um, but you know, we talk about one of the things we talk about with our team. Um, we want our guests to have a great experience which means we want our volunteers to have a great experience because how we fill our volunteers' cups and what we fill their cups with is what they will pour out to the people that we're asking them to serve and minister to. And so I think so much of leadership is vision, to have a vision of lifting people's eyes to say, hey, don't just look at what you see on the surface. Don't just look at what you see on the outside of their circumstances, but pay attention to what God could be doing because God is doing more than meets the eye. There's more than you see in any situation. And so I think our job as leaders is to look for the more and say, what could God be doing? How could God use this moment? Where could God be at work? And just point those things out and trust that God is gonna be in those spaces. He's working always. He's always at work. He's always doing something new. And I think one of the best things you can do as a leader is point people to the more, lift their eyes out of the mundane of, oh, I had a long week at work and I'm tired and bills and kids and you know health yeah. and all those things. Oh, yeah. those things are heavy and I get that, but I want you to see that there's more. God mm. is working in those places. And if I can help you see that, then the joy of the Lord is gonna come through in you and you're gonna pass that on to other people. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good, Laura. What do you think, how does that look like on a weekend? Do you guys like circle up? Are you are you emailing Devos throughout the week? Like, what does that kind of look like for you and your direct contact with the volunteers that are entrusted to you? Yeah, that's a really great question. And that's, we're still working on developing some of those places, sure, sure. of course. Um, but we have a huddle before every service with our volunteer teams. And that's just the place for us. We keep it brief. Um, we know that they're gonna get a sermon later that yeah, day. So I'm not yeah. there to give them a sermon because you're at your, you're gonna get a sermon. <laughs> yeah, later. Yeah. So I, I really think of that time as, hey, I've got five to 10 minutes to let you know anything you need to know, but also to help you get your heart in the right place so that mm. when we pray and we give our assignments and you go out to serve coffee or serve at the connection center or help at parking or one of those places that you go out with your eyes on the Lord, ready for how he can use you with your eyes looking for who's the one person that God's going to highlight for me. And the Holy Spirit's going to tap me on the shoulder and say, that person, that person is why you're here today to make a difference in their life. And so I think it's just those moments beforehand, I think are so huge for us too. It's a lot of getting the right people in the right places. We have an amazing um, leadership team of volunteers. So within guest services, we have eight different teams that we have. And each of the leaders of those teams are just the most phenomenal people. Mm. And so knowing that 
my my direct contact is more so with them. Sure. I know all of their names. I have all their numbers in my phone. I don't know the names of all of our ushers, if I'm honest. I wish I did. I'm getting there. But yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. I don't know the names of You're all six our... months in. We'll give you some grace. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of time. Okay. Yeah. There's like two hundred names to learn. Um but it's it's knowing that we have the right people in place too. So I know yeah. That it goes from, you know, Ramel, who leads all of our campus experience team, to me working with Kristen, who also works with me on leading these teams, and Jacob, who's also part of our team. All of us have the same heart and the same vision of what we want to see. And then from there, it's to our, we have about 30 volunteer leaders who lead these mm. eight teams with us. And so we are intentional in how we pour into them because we know it goes from them to their teams. Yes. So my line of communication in terms of like weekly communication or communication now, I go more directly to the leaders of the teams. Mm. And I know and I trust that they are then passing on and caring for their teams. Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, it's just being realistic. I can't directly care for 200 sure. yeah. people. That's just silly to think of. Um, but if there's 30 people and I can make sure that I know them, I know what's going on in their life, I'm praying for them, then that care will then trickle down to their teams. And so I think it's just thinking through different levels of care and communication. Um, I'm a high communication person. I think mm. it's almost impossible to over communicate. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you can, <laughs> you can over communicate, sure. but I, I, I think it's hard to over communicate, especially when there's so many moving pieces on any given weekend. And so I'm a fan of always be communicating. Here's what you need to know. You might not need to know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, just in case, because people like to yeah. be in the know. Yeah. That's really good, Laura. I think that, man, there's so much in that, like I, I'd love to unpack and I, I like how you take, you pointed out taking that just little 10 minute window, you know, before the service, before you jumping to serving, because I know that I've been a part of places before where you kind of just roll into it. You kind of just roll into serving, kind of just roll into the morning, but intentionally taking that time is just so, so important. And um, lifting people's eyes beyond like what they, what they see in front of them. I know for me, like when I was leading worship, like at our San Diego campus and different places, it's like, like for our tech guys, like telling them like, Hey, you're not just, it was a mobile place. Kind of like you started in an elementary school. You're not just setting up chairs. You're not just making, you're not just throwing a sound system together and making sure all the wires are, wires are there and that, that sounds on, but you're actually making a way for the gospel to be proclaimed. You know, you're not just learning a vocal part on the weekend, but you're declaring the word of the Lord over people. And guess what? That never returns void, but always accomplishes its purposes and pointing people to scripture, pointing people back to those things, those things that you pointed out, I think are really, really significant. So I love that. I, I want to ask you too, in the, in, the, in the way to your vision drips down from the top down from you to your leaders and then to the people that are under them is just so, so great, Laura. I think for you with volunteers, like thinking about a volunteer specifically and what, what you and I came from, from volunteering in the local church, like what excites you specifically about volunteers? Um, and maybe what's something that's challenging specifically with mm. the way you lead and pastor volunteers? That's a great question. I think the first thing I think of, um, you know, I walk away every weekend and I always have a conversation with volunteer where I walk, where I walk away and I think I'm not worthy. I'm not yeah. worthy to lead these godly men and women mm. that show up and give of their time selflessly every week. And that's such a check for me um, because I know people who show up and they're giving not just on weekends, but they're serving in other places throughout the week. I mean, I could go through lists of volunteers in my head and I think, my goodness, these are the saints that not many people know their names, but I walk away. And this is probably one of my favorite parts of my role and working with volunteers is I'm humbled 
mm-hmm. every week that these people show up and say yes to being used by God. It's it's a check for me every weekend to realize these people show up to serve. These people show up to be used. And I get to steward their gifts and in how I point them and how I direct them. And mm-hmm. that's so humbling and so incredible to get to see that, to see God use people, to see God be transformed as they serve, to walk away every weekend thinking, I'm not worthy. <laughs> the yeah. Bible talks about yeah. like Hebrews 11, like the hall of faith and men of whom the world is not worthy, women of whom the world is not worthy. We have volunteers like that, that serve every week. Yeah. And I think I'm not worthy <laughs> to be around these people. They show up every weekend. We have some people who serve every service, all four services every weekend. And I think I'm not worthy. (laughs) Hmm. I'm not worthy of the sacrifices you're making, but God's worthy. And I'm grateful that I get to see and be a part of how God's using you. So I think that's what I love the most about volunteers is just, I'm just amazed. I'm amazed by them. I walk away every weekend with my spirits lifted because I'm so encouraged by their faith and how I see them living out their faith and Hmm. their selflessness. Um. On the difficult side, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I think one of the one of the things, and I don't, I don't want to say this is a difficult side. I think this is just a part of the whole package. Um, is sometimes you have a volunteer where they're not in a good fit, and they're in a hmm. place where they're not thriving, and you have a place where they're not growing, or for whatever reason, the role or the team they're a part of it just doesn't bring out the best in them. It triggers them, or it brings out some of the worst in them sometimes, and. I think our role is to make sure people are in the right place because I think if people are in the right place with the right heart, there's not going to be a ton of, I mean, there'll be problems. There are people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's, I think it's getting ahead of those moments and being able to say to a volunteer, Hey, I love you. I love that you're showing up to serve, but is this the right fit for you? Yeah. What I want for you and what I've always made a promise to every single one of my volunteers is what I want for you is that you're serving in a place that you thrive. And if it's not this ministry, that's okay. I'm here to help Mm. you thrive. I'd love for you to be a part of what God is doing through our team. But if there's another team that's a better fit for you, can I make that introduction for you? Can I hand you off and make sure you stay connected? And so when I think of difficult volunteers, I think it's trying to figure out a lot of times the issue is not really the issue. It's something underneath Mm. it. And if you can get to that, what's the underneath thing? that's making this not a fit or you're showing up grumpy (laughs) every weekend or (laughs) you're stressed out every weekend. And so the way that you're talking to people, your stress comes out and people see your stress. Okay, let's figure out what's going on there and figure out a role where you thrive. If that's on our team or that's another team, I'm just for you and I'm for our church. And, and whatever team you land on, I just want to see you thriving. And so I think that's my approach. If I see someone who's difficult, it's giving the benefit of the doubt. They're probably not trying to be difficult. They're probably not showing up saying, I want to be difficult. They're probably not even aware Hmm. of how they're coming across sometimes. Um, I go back to, um, I had a a boss a couple years back and he pulled me aside one time and he said, Laura, I don't think you know how you come across in meetings sometimes. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, (laughs) what are you going to say? Um, But I look back at that moment and he just gave me feedback. And what was so helpful is that feedback was very specific. He said, Laura, when you do this specific thing in a meeting, I know you don't mean it this way, but it comes across like this. And I was like, (gasps) oh. 
it was like this light bulb moment for me. And I've completely changed my behavior in some meetings and how I show up because someone had the courage and the kindness to give me feedback and say, you probably aren't aware of it, but this is how you're coming off. And it was specific. It wasn't just like, hey, you kind of come across this way sometimes, but it was in that meeting we just had, you did this and here's how it came across. And I don't think you noticed that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, my mind is blown. Right. And and I think a lot of people think, oh, I don't want to tell people and I don't want to hurt people's feelings. But that was one of the kindest things someone has ever done is to give me that honest feedback. And I think it's the same with our volunteers. They might not know, hey, when you give people coffee, but you don't smile <laughs> or, hmm. you know, you you go to fill something up, but you kind of feel frustrated that someone's in your way while you're trying to refill the creamer. That's not the experience we want them to have. Let's talk about that. You might not realize you're coming across that way. You're not coming across hospitable. You're not coming across kind. You're not coming across like you're glad that they're there. You seem frustrated that they're (laughs) there and getting in your way. Let's talk about that. But I think the specificity is helpful and the the courage to have those conversations is helpful. And I Mm. think that gets ahead of a lot of the difficulty of volunteers. That's really helpful, Laura. That's really helpful. The specificity of what what is going on in that moment and how things are coming across and also too of how things can be improved or how they could serve in a, in a better way. How do you approach a conversation like that? Like do you, if someone, say someone, maybe they aren't a good fit or maybe they they aren't executing things in the way that, that you would hope, you know, maybe it's coming across in a way that, way that, that isn't great and that they're bumping someone in the coffee line or, or whatever. How do you specifically approach those conversations? I think everything has to be done relationally and with care. Um, I think, too, what I never want a volunteer to feel is that I just care about what they do for me. Mm. Um, And I think that's why this has to come from a place of, I care about you, I care about what's best for you. So sometimes it's just not even getting to the behavior I saw or the issue I saw, but it's starting with, hey, how are you? Tell me about your week, what's going on. Hey, you seem like you've been a little bit stressed lately, something going on, and and trying to lead in from a place of, hey, I care about you holistically as a person. I'm not just yeah. concerned about how you serve, but I care about you holistically as a person. And I think that's the lead in always. I never want to lead with, hey, I saw you do that, knock it off. <laughs> Right, right. That's probably not the way to go because, again, we're emulating the kind of hospitality we want them to pass on to our guests. And so I think always coming from a place of, how are you? you, Are you stressed? Like, what's going on? Trying to, again, starting with, here's the presenting issue. And this is, I'm not saying this because it's happened, but let's just say I see a volunteer, like, push someone out of the side because they're trying to refill the cream or or whatever. I mean, that that hasn't happened, but let's just say that's the example. Sure, sure. Um, I think it's starting with, hey, do you, are you stressed? What's going on? Like, I just, I want to hear from you. What's, I saw this presenting behavior of you seemed impatient, you seemed stressed, you seem to put the task before the person you're serving. But let's try and not start there. Let's start with, are you stressed? Are you frustrated? Mm. Hey, how has this been serving here for you? Do you feel like this is a serving opportunity that you look forward to that fills you up? Or do you feel like it's stressful for you to serve in this place? And I think if you open things up that way, sometimes they tend to come to the right conclusion (laughs) on their own. Oh yeah, you know, this is actually, I'm really stressed when I show up to serve. I'm really busy. I'm running late. I'm trying to get here on time. There's not joy for me in serving here. Okay. Well, I don't want you to serve out of obligation. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Do you think this is a place you still 
find joy in serving or can I help you find a better place to serve? Hmm. And so I think that approach is caring for people. It's honoring for individuals. It's not, I need you to keep serving no matter what. And you're, it's like the mafia, like you can't get out. Yeah, (laughs) I don't want volunteers to feel like they serve in the mafia. And, you know, once you join, you can't get out. No, we'll be okay. Like, we'll be okay if you need to move on to another serving opportunity. I never want you serving out of obligation or stress or duty. I want you serving because you're excited to be a part of what God is doing on this team. That's really good, Laura. I think that that not serving out of obligation and making sure that people are in the right places, like in the right fit. It reminds me of like the church I I grew up in. Um, It was, it felt a little bit that way, you know, so much love for this church and they've, they've grown, they've grown so much too, since I've, since I, since I grew up there. But if you serve somewhere, it was kind of like, I think I'm stuck here forever. You know, (laughs) Pastor, Pastor Rick like jokes at conferences that like, if, if someone, you know, has been a junior high boys small group leader and she's been there for um, 50 years and she wants to she wants to move on from that, you know, people shouldn't be mad at her, but she should be enshrined, you know, like right. she did so great, you know, right. and served people for so long. But even too, if you, it's not a good fit, you always want to be having those conversations of like, is this still like where God wants you and wants you to be? I know specifically for like our platform teams and our worship teams that, at Saddleback, something practical that we do is we do yearly like commitments. So we have like, we'll have like a team night, you know, where volunteers and food are there like in the fall. And we just say, hey, these are kind of the things that like we're saying yes to again this year. Um, This is, you know, and there's some, might be some practical things of like serving and like how often that looks or what that looks like. And there also might be um, some vision things that they're agreeing to as well. And that what that does for us is that just invites the opportunity to revisit the conversation again. Because right. for some people too, it might not even be a good season. They might say, hey, my heart is still um, for this team and for this particular area of ministry, but I might've just had a baby or I just got a new job or I'm in some sort of transition. It's just not a good season right now, mm-hmm. but I'd love to revisit that next year. It just opens up those kinds of conversations. And even for ones of, you know, I don't know if like um, the guest services team is necessarily like my, my gifting and my passion, but I really love kids and I really want to explore like what that yeah. looks like. So it's a great space to, invite that kind of conversation. And so um, I really love that you went there, Laura. Yeah. I know at Saddleback, we have this value um, where we say every member is a minister and as staff, we're just the administ- administers. So could you unpack that for us? Like, what, is that, what does that look like? Um, what does that mean to you? And what does that look like in the life of our church? Mm, that's a great question. And that's such a core value we have. Every member is a minister. And I think that's one of the most powerful things that has made Saddleback the church it is, is we tapped into this idea that it's not the staff's job to get stuff done. It's our job to empower all of God's people to be a part of what God is doing And I think it's so beautiful that we start recognizing everyone has different gifts that they bring to the table. Um, I think about it as the coach of a team. Hmm. And so I grew up playing sports. um, And so for me, I think of team and then I think of coach. And the value of a team is that you have a lot of different people with sometimes different skills, different strengths, playing different positions. And the job of the coach is to keep that team working together towards the same goal. And so I think every member as a minister acknowledges that everyone has something they bring to the table. Everyone has a contribution 
to make in our membership class. We talk about this a lot. We say the difference between being an attender of Saddleback Church and a member of Saddleback Church is you move from being a consumer to a contributor. Mm. And so I think it's helping people make that move to say, hey, if you're a member of Saddleback Church, you have a ministry. God has given you a ministry of a way that you can bring the light of Jesus and push back the darkness in the world. And I want to help you find that. I want to help you find your contribution because you're not just here to consume. You know, a membership of a church is not a gym membership where you're there to just show up and use what you want to use and leave. It's not a Costco membership where you're there to get great prices. Uh, You know, a lot of memberships are about who you are as a consumer. You have a membership to a gym because you like working out. You have a membership at Costco because you're like me and you have a kid and you go through boxes of diapers, (laughs) right? So a lot of times your membership from a worldly perspective is about who you are as a consumer. And we have to flip that at the church and say your membership at a church is about who you are as a contributor. And I so believe to the core of my being, because this was your experience growing up, this was my experience growing up. When you find how God wired you to serve, when you find why God put you here on this earth, that you have a difference you can make, that you are great at helping people feel welcome. You're great at leading people in worship. You have a gift of music and you can use that to lead people closer to the Lord. You have a gift of hospitality, all those things. You come alive when you find those things. Yes. And so I think that's what I think about our role is to help them be the best they can. But also if I could go back to that kind of sport, like team and coach analogy, so I played soccer growing yeah. up. And so a goal is scored. And obviously you celebrate the person who scored the goal, but that person who scored the goal, well, they needed the person who passed them the ball and they needed the defender who won the ball from the other team and got the, the ball up the field. And they needed the other person who ran a route that distracted the defense. And, you know, there's so many moving parts on any given team, but it's not just the person who scored the goal that did it. It was the whole team working together to set up the person who scored the goal. And so acknowledging everyone has a role to play. And then the job of the coach is to get the right people in the right position so that their best skill set shines and works together. So the team works together towards a common goal. So that's how I think about every member of minister, everyone who has a contribution, but we work together as a team. And I think if I could put it in sports language, I really think it's that idea of you're a coach And your job is to help bring the best out of all your players, make sure they're in the right spot, developing their skills so that the team is doing its best. Yeah, that's really encouraging to hear, Laura, because I think there's so much there of, this isn't just like a value, but like it's biblical, right? Like our job um, as staff and as pastors is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so maybe for the volunteer who's listening to this, um, I think just for them to know that you're you're not doing second rate ministry, but you are doing the ministry of Christ. Like when you're living in this, you know, the same Holy Spirit that resides in your pastor, your leader resides in you as well. So I guess, what would you say to, what would you say to the volunteer on the other side of this, uh, other other side of this, Laura, like maybe they have like a tough leader where they're, they're, they're trying to figure, but they don't, maybe they're not quite leaning into vision or maybe they're struggling with that relationship. What would be encouragement for, for someone who might be in that particular position? You know, I think it's going back to, one, giving the benefit of the doubt. Um, A lot of times, again, the issue is not the issue. You're frustrated with the leader, but a lot of times they don't realize how they're coming across or they don't realize how other people experience their leadership. And that's one of the hardest lessons to learn is you often don't know how other people are experiencing you unless you ask for that feedback. 
So if you're a volunteer and you're frustrated with leadership and how you're being leader, the first thing I would say is give the benefit of the doubt. Um, I would guess that that leader is doing the best they can and they're not aware (laughs) of how they're coming across. But I think, again, specificity, I like the phrase clarity is kindness. I think specificity Hmm. is kindness. General accusations of, I just don't like how you lead and I'm really frustrated. But if you can be specific, hey, when you text me at 8 a.m. saying, I had someone call out and I need you to be here at 9 a.m. and there's pressure and there's guilt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Not that anyone on Saddleback has ever done that, I'm sure. Um, And if you show up and you serve, that's great, but maybe follow up with, hey, I just want to let you know I wasn't scheduled to, to be on and I was looking forward to time with family and this last minute hectic, you know, what feels like a lack of poor planning is just really hard for me. And, and I think, again, just made up scenario, but the specificity of what's the moment, because to just say I'm frustrated with their leadership doesn't really help. But if you can figure out what is it that frustrates me, what is it that they specifically do that I struggle with the most, mm. and then find a specific instance when that happens. I don't like the last minute kind of unscheduled. (laughs) And sometimes that's life and they're doing the best they can and they're just trying to get service done. Um, but, But try and figure out what's a specific thing this leader does that frustrates me. Not just, I don't like them or whatever. Specifically, what do they do that frustrates me the most? And then the next time it happens, just gently pull them aside. Hey, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but when you did this specific thing, here's how it affects me. Here's mm. how it what here's what it feels like on the other side, and it doesn't feel good. And I just want to give you that feedback um, because I want you to know this was hard for me. And I think that approach as a leader, I would say thank you, thank you for telling me that. I didn't know that's how you felt. I didn't know that's how it came across. Um, so again, give the benefit of the doubt that they're not doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. They would want that feedback. If I was doing something that frustrated a volunteer, I would want to know about it. Yeah. Um, so they probably want to know. And the more specific you can be, I think the kinder it is to them because it helps yeah. them actually not just say this person attacked me and said I'm a horrible leader, but they gave me something specific I could change. And if we were given something specific, we can change it. Yeah. So I think that's what I would say if you're frustrated with a leader, be specific, be kind and give them that feedback, have the courage to say, Hey, this is how you're coming across. Gosh, that's so helpful, Laura. I think clarity is kindness. Like that's, that just resonates in my mind so much. And there's so much courage. I think that takes too, no matter what side it is, whether it's like a volunteer struggling with relationship with a leader or vice versa. But yeah, I think being, I I would add too, on top of that, just being prayerful too about those conversations too. Because for kindness and all of that to lead the way and just for the Holy Spirit to lead the way in those things, um, man, it might feel, although it might feel easier, you know, to keep those things inside and keep those things in the dark, but to put those things into the light and have those conversations, God is in the light, He's in those things. And so to bring those things forward, gosh, so important, Laura, that's really good. That's really good. I think as we wrap up our time together, what would be your parting? If you had one parting word of encouragement for someone out there who's leading volunteers and then maybe another, a volunteer who's just with their family and getting ready for another week of ser- serving, what would be your parting word of, of encouragement for them? Yeah, you know, I think I think of the story of Mary and Martha and the reason I think of it is I think sometimes Martha gets a bad rap. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about serving and volunteering and I feel like that's the go-to example so much is Mary and Martha and 
I love, I resonate with Martha <laughs> every time I hear yeah, someone, I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. don't be so harsh on her because that's me. That's me, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, if you read the story of marrying Martha, Martha wasn't wrong in serving. She had Jesus at her house. She wanted to honor him. She wanted to prepare a feast for him. What a great honor. If Jesus came to my house, you bet I would pull out all the stops trying yes. to make a great meal for him. And what Mary, or I'm sorry, what Martha did wrong, and it says this, it's in Luke 10 40. It said she was distracted with much serving. So the serving wasn't the problem. It was that she let serving distract her from just being with Jesus. And so then when she goes to Jesus and she's like, well, Mary's just sitting here doing nothing. Tell her to help me. Jesus says, well, Mary knows that being with me is important, so I'm not going to take that away from her. And so I think what I when I look at that story, one, let's not be so harsh <laughs> on Martha because the yeah. serving wasn't the problem. It was that she let the serving distract her from the importance of being with Jesus. And so I think what what is so easy, so easy to do and sometimes we get wrapped up in our serving mm. and we divorce our serving from our communion with Christ. And so I think my encouragement to anyone who is serving is to always step back and ask, am I serving from a place of communion with Christ? Am I trying to do too much for Him, so much so that I'm neglecting my relationship with Him? Am I trying to impress God with how much I can do for Him or am I enjoying the privilege of being used by Him mm. and being with Him in what I do? So I think about it, and I was like, what would I have done if I was Martha, <laughs> right? Um, and, I, and I say this because I've done this before. You look at Jesus, and you look at most of the time, Jesus is like, ah, here's some fish. Ah, here's some bread, right? Like, he's a pretty simple guy. Most of the meals you see Jesus eating are pretty simple meals. There's fish and there's bread, <laughs> Right. So I don't think Jesus is someone who needed to be impressed with this huge feast. He probably would have been happy if Martha just said, I'm so glad to see you. Let me go, you know, throw some fish on the grill and put some bread in the oven and come hang out with you while the food's cooking. And I think sometimes we try and do too much. Hmm. And so to the person who says, and, and I say this because I wrestle with this, this is actually so good for me to think about because I'm an overachiever. Like I'm, I'm just, my nature is overachiever <laughs> and yeah. I'm constantly fighting that. And I think what I have to ask myself sometimes if I get to that place where I'm so stressed with how much I have to do that I feel like I don't have time to be with God. I don't have time to pray. I'm so busy doing that. I don't have time to pray. I need to ask myself, have I put too much on my plate? And do I need to, what can I simplify? Because serving is good. Um, and this is where I say Martha gets a bad rap. Serving is good. I want to be so clear about that. Your contribution to the kingdom of God is so valuable. So it's not, the answer is don't serve, just go <laughs> be with Jesus all yeah. the time. Your time with Jesus should fuel your service. Your time with Jesus should make you excited to be a part of advancing His kingdom and building His kingdom here on earth. Um, if you read... Matthew 25, there's three parables in Matthew 25. There's the parable of the 10 virgins, the parable of the talents, and the parable of how, what you do for the least of these you do for me, kind of these three stories of Jesus. And all of them, it's so fascinating because the story of the 10 virgins, there's a bridegroom who's coming. The 10 virgins are supposed to be waiting for him with their lamps lit. Five of them come unprepared and five are prepared. And so then five of them miss out because they have to go back because they weren't prepared. And then five are there when Jesus gets there. And so I read that story and I'm like, 
So what fuels them is that they're waiting for Christ to return. The fuel of that story is they're waiting for Christ to return, and five of them are prepared, and they're equipped, and they thought ahead, and they planned, and then five just kind of like showed up, like, hey, we're just kind of here, and we're not really working, and we're not prepared. We haven't thought about it. (laughs) So I look at that story, and I'm like, okay, there was work to be done, and only half the people did the work, but what fueled them to do the work was their anticipation of the return Mm. of Christ. And then you have the parable of the talents. The master goes away. Three different people are given talents. Hey, invest these. One of them completely just wastes them, and then two of them do the work. And it's not, you know, the person who didn't do anything, well, praise praise be to you because you just sat around and waited for my return. No, <laughs> you weren't supposed to just sit around and wait for me to get back. You were supposed to do something with what I gave you, right, right. right? So let's do something with what God gave us, but fueled with the thought that when He returns, He's going to say, what have you done with what I gave you? Again, mm. the thought is when Christ returns, I want to be a good steward of what He's given me. My motivation to serve is fueled by my anticipation of the return of my King. And then the last one, the parable, when, when Jesus shows up and he says, you know, what, what you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. And they say, well, God, when did you, when did we feed you? When did we clothe you? When did we show you hospitality? Jesus said, what you did for the least of these, you did for me. So our serving others is us serving our King. And so all of those, like Matthew 25, every single one of those stories says, hey, serve, be doing the things that God has asked you to do while you anticipate his return. Mm. So I go back to Mary and Martha and I say, okay, serving is good, but if serving is divorced from our anticipation of the return of our Lord, if it's divorced from our anticipation of preparing His kingdom for Him to return to, we've missed it. So never divorce your serving. I'm sorry, this is such a longer answer than what you asked for. But I think we just always have to check our own hearts. We always have to ask what's motivating me, what's in my heart as I serve. Am I serving because I want to be a part of what God is doing or am I serving because I'm trying to impress someone or I'm bored or (laughs) whatever? There's so many reasons we can show up to serve and the right motive is we want to serve our Lord. We want to do it out of communion with Him or anticipating that He's coming back one day for His bride and we want to do everything we can to prepare His bride for when He returns. Wow, Laura. Wow. Thank you so much for today and for sharing that encouragement with us. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and thanks for your attentiveness to the Holy Spirit. I know that that will stay, this will stay with me um, as I walk throughout my own week and serving in the local church. So thank you so much for being with us. And guys, we'll see you next time on Lead With Worship. Wow, that's really good. I love that. Great conversation, uh, Taylor and Laura. I have so much respect for those two and so grateful for them and how they lead, pastor and shepherd here at Saddleback Church. You know, one of the things Laura said, which I really appreciated, was how, you know, we don't want to separate our serving Christ from our communion with Christ. And that's that whole imagery with Mary and Martha is always so good for me to think about where I find myself uh, in, in any given season, any given day, honestly, uh, as kind of that Mary or that Martha. So always good, always good words from Laura and from Taylor. Well, guys, thanks for listening today. You know, you can stay connected with us here uh, in a few 
few different ways. First of all, always stay up to date with Saddleback Worship's original music wherever you stream your music. Also, we want to hear from you. We love to hear your questions, episode ideas, and ways we can serve you. So you can just email us at worshippodcast at saddleback.com. That's worshippodcast at saddleback.com. And lastly, this podcast is one of the many podcasts produced by Saddleback Church. We have the Doable Discipleship Podcast, The Well, and so many more. So be sure to check out those links in the episode description. Well, friends, we're so glad we got to spend some time with you today, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time on Lead with Worship. <laughs>